You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. How do we live a life of invitation? A life that invites people into life with God. I've noticed as a pastor, and I think statistics back this up, but a longer, excuse me, the longer someone is a Christian, uh, the less non-Christian friends they have, the less people out in culture uh, they have in their life, they almost become more of a subculture, a sub-Christian culture. And I think some of that's because we've stopped living a life of invitation inviting others into our lives, inviting people in, that, that might think differently, be different, um, and, and just to- have totally different backgrounds and come together. Maybe even stopped uh, accepting the invitation of other people because they think differently than you or maybe aren't part of um, your Christian circles. Jesus teaches us to live a life of invitation, a life of party. And one of the things our church has been founded on was is a, is a theology of party, a theology of being together in a way that um, enjoys life and puts, a, puts us in relationship with others around good food and laughter and, and sometimes even grieving together, um, it, putting us in human moments and uh, parties and food. That's where a lot of that occurs. Last week, we looked at this, this parable Jesus told of this great banquet, and it's the banquet of belonging. It's also the banquet of the, of the broken, and it's, a, it's, it's about this, this master who, who throws a party, a big dinner, a big banquet, and he invites a bunch of people, and he's actually invited them before the day of the party, and then he sends out a second invitation to let them know, hey, the, the, the day is here, the party's here, it's now, and all of his friends reject him. They all have excuses. No, I got to, you know, go to this property and check it out. I got to take care of my ox. Someone was like, I got to get married. (laughs) You know, some excuses are better than others, but all of them turned him down. My inclination would be like, if I threw this huge thing, a huge get together, a huge shindig, and all my friends rejected me, I would just want to close up shop, you know, and think of the expense too. I just had a friend tell me the average American wedding is $30,000. So this is a, you know, if this is a, um, a marriage wedding, a banquet, or it's a huge affair, it's going to be, this is expensive and just how devastating that would be. But in the story, the, the, the man throwing the party, the person throwing the party receives rejection and, and doesn't allow it to stop them from inv- invitation. The rejection actually leads to more invitation. And so this person tells their servants, it says, they say, go to all the streets, bring in the poor, the broken, um, bring in everybody you can. I want my, my halls. I want my house to be filled. So they go do that. And then the servant comes back and says, hey, we got people and uh, it's incredible. And he's like, but it's not filled yet. We can have more. Go out and get, go out to like the alleyways and the darkest place and bring everybody you can. I want my house to be filled with joy. And I love this story because it really gets after the father's heart. Um, to invite us, to invite everyone into the kingdom of God, everyone to, to join him in, in his love. And, and there's always room for us. There's always room. 
So I want to continue this story, and I want to look from um, the perspective of the servant, and I want to ask one really important question at the end of this. Notice in, in this story, God's servants fill God's banquet through invitation. If you're going to serve Jesus, if you're going to follow Jesus, one of the one of our big jobs is, and our calling, our responsibility is to be inviters of other people into God's banquet, to fill God's home, to fill His His banquet with others who are who are different and come from different streets and different places in life to come and enjoy life together and 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 to really be in the loving household of God. In the in the story, if you remember, it says, when it was time for the dinner to begin, he sent his servants to tell the invited guests, come, dinner's ready. He sent his servants to invite guests. I love that, that, that you and I, if we're Jesus followers, we've been sent as servants, not as little dictators, not as lords, not as like, we're not the master of the banquet. We're not the master of who's in and who's out, who gets onto the list and who doesn't. We're servants, and our job is to invite the guests. It goes on to say in the story, the servant said, Master, your instructions have been uh, followed, and there's, there's still room. So this is after the rejection. He says, go bring all these other people, you know, the broken and the crippled and the hurting, and they do. And there's still more room. And the master said to the servant, go back to the highways and back alleys and urge people to come in so that my house will be filled. Like there's this continue, like there, God always has room for more and he's always asking us to have room in our hearts for more. Because we might think, hey, the table's only this big. There's only this many chairs. There's only this much food. But we need to trust that the master, that, we, that God, that Christ Jesus, he's the one who stretches the bread and the food. And we let him worry about like how big he can get that table and how uh, many seats are at it. Because I, that that's that's his job. Our job is to to invite and to continue um, growing our hearts, so we're willing to invite more. And God says in this story, "I want my house to be filled." And I, the thing is, it's not just talking about building like a church. And I, uh, you might come to a church here at Garden City, or maybe you're a relative watching, and you've seen churches or been in churches, and like they are one of the like key expressions of the kingdom of God. But every individual, every home that that has a follower of Christ in it, every person that has the Spirit of God in them becomes like a, a visual representation, a, a trailer for the world to see, just a little glimpse of the kingdom of God. And so, in many ways, like our lives are this reflection of God's love. And, and it's not just a church building, but our lives and our lives together that we're inviting people to experience a, an imperfect, but also beautiful piece of the kingdom of God. Sometimes fear takes over and that prevents us from inviting. We have insecurities that prevent us from inviting. We get busy. Some of us are just so busy. We, we don't even think to invite those who are in our lives because we, uh, we, we almost say no for others. And one of the, one of the biggest things I see in, in churches is sometimes we start acting more like security guards rather than servants. Um, security guards, their role is to prevent, you know, people from getting in and like, I need to make sure that we, we are, we're really on who's in and who's out. A servant's job in the kingdom of God isn't is isn't to prevent people from getting in. We're to invite people into the kingdom of God. We're inviters who serve, not security guards who shut people out. Let God work out, 
you know, on people's hearts, who's there and what's going on in their life and the brokenness. Let God worry about, you know, again, how far the food will stretch and if the seats are, if there's enough seats and if the table's big enough, we, we, we give that to God. Remember, security guards say to the world, you can't come in, there's no room for you. Servants say to the world, you're welcome and wanted and we have room for you. We are the servants of Jesus. It's our job to invite and fill God's banquet. We can determine everyone's response. Sometimes people's hearts are closed or halfway open or fully open. Like that, That's between them and God, but we invite. Last thing about servants is there's actually an invitation in here that servants have to say yes to. We're invited to invite. Will we say yes to the invitation to invite? Will we have eyes to see and like, will we have a heart that's after God's own heart to see the hurt and the brokenness behind you know, every facade, every front that people put up to really love people with compassion. God, this, God, not the servants, decides who gets invited. And when I read the scriptures, Jesus was inviting everybody to join. If you don't like who's invited, take it up with the one who's, in, who's sent out the invitations. That's God. Now, I want to talk about a hidden perspective that's in this text. Here's a key question. In this story, all of the closest friends and everybody within the regular social circle of the, uh, of the banquet master, all of them refused the invitation. All of them had an excuse. All of them said no. Why did all of his social circle say no? You see, I, I think if we were to jump back in this story, there's this, uh, there's this proclamation right before the, uh, Jesus shares the story. When one of the dinner guests heard Jesus' remarks, he said to Jesus, happy are those who will feast in God's kingdom. You know, it's this person who's been invited and they're, they're probably, you know, like someone who should be in and they're not one of the, the outsiders or probably a friend of the person throwing the party. And Jesus tells this story that I've just related to you. He tells the story about this banquet. And I think in the story, he's saying, hey, you love the idea of a banquet of belonging for you. But do you love the, the reality of a banquet of belonging for everyone? If we were to back out of this, like the, just like widen the lens, the frame a little bit on this uh, passage, we'd see in verse 12 that at a party, Jesus, before he tells the story, says to the person who had invited him, he said this, when you host a lunch or a dinner, don't just invite your friends. Like, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your relatives, or rich neighbors. If you do, you know, they will in, invite you in return, and that will be your re reward. Like, you're going to create your social circle and your close buddies, but it, you, you'll create walls around that. It just goes on to say, instead, when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed because they can't repay you because you've helped You've lift up, lifted up brothers and sisters who were not by the world treated or seen as brothers and sisters yet. Jesus goes on to say, instead, you will be repaid when the just are resurrected. Like there's this eternal fruit that's going to come into your life because of living a life of the kingdom where you're not just thinking about those who already have or you're, you know, maintaining your social status by inviting yourself and getting yourself invited over because it's almost like this transactional way of relating to the, your social circle, but actually like lifting up others who, who might not 
have the social cachet. They might not have the status. They not, might not be the, the people that should be at your party, according to all your friends. But this jumps back to that question, like, why did all these friends say no to this person? And why did this banquet of belonging really move from an intentional banquet for close friends to an unintentional banquet for people far outside of this friend group? And I think if you look culturally at this, at this whole passage, you're seeing another layer. You're seeing that, um, you know, Luke, ha- the one who wrote the book of Luke, has this theology that he's learned from Jesus that we all live in a social location. We all have like, here's our friends, here's our social and political like group. Whenever someone decided to begin following Jesus, they put their faith in Jesus, they were, they were given a choice. Are they going to start following Jesus? I trust you, Jesus, but I'm going to follow you and, and live with you and do life differently than you. And I think what we're seeing is that this, uh, in one sense, this banquet master represents God's heart. In another sense, this is someone who is a new follower of Jesus and their feet are in two worlds. They have one foot in the world of their old political and social uh, circle. Then they have one foot in the Jesus community, in this new community with sinners and saints and powerful and powerless and all these people that uh, is this mess and this group that, you know, like they might not be able to give you anything if you invite them and they might not, you might not get social status because you're part of Jesus community, you might get actually like, um, you might get viewed as a social pariah because you, you're with Jesus and his mo- you know, this motley crew of people. So in this moment, when all his friends have excuses to come to his party, say no to him, I think what we're seeing is we're seeing a man be, being collectively shunned by his social group. Why is he being shunned? This is likely the result of someone who has put their trust in Jesus, hasn't yet started following or aligning all their life with Jesus. They're, they're in two worlds, and their world that has social, political power and status is rejecting him because he's with Jesus as well. And there's this choice that Jesus, I think, leads all of us into. When we move from just faith in Jesus, like I love and I trust and I receive from you, to following him and moving with him and saying, I'm giving you my whole life. There's this moment, I think, where many of us kind of have a foot in both worlds, like the, the world that, that we're used to, that we come from, that gives us the status, the identity, what we want. And then this new world that Jesus offers that's totally different. It's upside down and we want it, but there's like a cost. And Jesus invites us, just like he invites this person, to move from two worlds that are separate, a divided life, into a bigger world with sinners and saints, where others from our, our old friend group, they're invited, and people that weren't in our friend group are invited, but we're stepping into a bigger world, a bigger movement, and a bigger moment with Jesus. And this is the banquet. This is the kingdom. And there's this invitation to us who are reading this story, us who are learning from Jesus, will we step into this wider, bigger world that does have tensions, that like holds power differently and is a servant and um, sometimes looks just totally backward to the world that we come from? Because love, when it's given from God into a world that's really dark, Sometimes that love is so bright, people don't want to look at it. They don't like it. 
But it's only that love that can move us forward. It's only this love that Jesus demonstrated by walking, going to the cross, and collecting all these people with all this brokenness into his life and into the kingdom. That's like, that's where our hope is. And that's a life of invitation. God invites us into the banquet of the broken and to invite more broken into this banquet. Invitation leads to transformation. And invitation then becomes a sign of our transformation. Do we live an invitational life? And just start somewhere. In this story, the the banquet master intended on bringing in his friends and then unintentionally invited all these other strangers. And so I love that. Just start somewhere. Maybe start with your friends. Start with the people around you. But when you live the Jesus way, it's going to expand beyond those you know and people that you consider brothers and sisters and dear friends. You're going to, you're, the family of God is going to expand so much bigger. And you feel like your heart might not be big enough for that. You might not be able to handle that. Let me tell you, your heart has a way of expanding when it follows Jesus. What would it look like in this season, this moment in culture, this Christmas time? And we know in winter, people, there's more, uh, like divorce rates go up, people are in court more, there's a great sense of disconnectedness and dislocation and hurt and pain. What would it look like if we together lived a life of invitation? I want to encourage you with two things. Invite people into your life for conversation, coffee, dinner, lunch, whatever it is. Let your life be an expression of the banquet of the kingdom of God. And then two, as a, as a church, let's invite people into Garden City, into like the, the, the services and into our, um, the, the, the life of our community to experience belonging before belief. Guys, I love you so much. And would you just pray about this? Who are the people God is putting on your heart? And what would it look like if a church came alive to the invitations of God? Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.